answer to a healthy life is more than just eating right and exercise. These things are important, but how do we achieve overall well-being? Welcome to The Well, a space where we share stories and discuss topics that rejuvenate your mind, body, and spirit, creating a path for a happier, healthier, more balanced you. Let's begin. We're talking about the period right after birth, given that we have all of these environmental factors and stress factors that could be affecting uh, the new mother. What resources would be available to that new mother? So one of the first things we want to do before a mother is discharged is right. make sure that we have a very comprehensive discharge plan set. Okay. This is where we transfer care to a primary care provider and definitely a six-week follow-up appointment with their OBGYN doctor to make okay. sure they're cleared for work or they're doing well. However, what we also tell mothers is that you can call at any time within that six-week period postpartum to follow up if there are any complications or if they're not comfortable. We also like to refer families to family support services such as Healthy Start programs and community resources to help them navigate parenthood and make sure they have what they need um, when they go home with their infants. Okay, great. And I know we talk a lot about the disparities between white women and African-American women, but are there also unique dynamics that you notice with women who may not be originally from the USA when they're coming into the hospital and their attitudes, you know, towards receiving this perinatal care. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. I think sometimes when you think of the United States system of health, it could be very daunting, mm. very overwhelming. Even when you are um, from the United States, it's hard to navigate the system in terms of the health language that is being used. But we need to make sure we're sensitive when we have women from other cultures that, one, we are understanding what their needs are and making sure we have interpreter services there for okay. them. Make sure they have a family support person there. Mm. Make sure we're aware of cultural customs okay. and being respectful of those customs because they may differ. When we set up a family plan or a treatment plan right. related to health care, we need to make sure that they align with the cultural values and beliefs of the families that are being served so that we can improve outcomes. Right. Exactly. Because once they see a plan that's you know congruent with their own culture, they're more likely to follow it and follow through. And respect is key. Respecting mm. that there may be cultural differences and cultural expectations and making sure that the patient must come first at all times. Thank you. So I know we talked a little bit about the economic um, disparities that some women face, but in your opinion, what are the three major reasons for healthcare disparities in America? I would definitely say that uh, discrimination okay. is one of the big ones. Okay. And basically it's making sure that we respect and provide the same care, level of care, okay. competent quality care to all people, particularly women of color. The second health disparity I would say will be related to economic, socioeconomic okay. status. And this will be just making sure that women who come from vulnerable, marginalized populations have the resources and the support that they need, economic resources, nutrition resources, mm -hmm. housing, family support, and that they're coming from environments or at least have a protective factor if they're coming from environments that are not safe, whether that's community violence or domestic violence. 
and also making sure that they have the resources that they need to support themselves economically and their families. I think that will be the second. Mm -hmm. And the third one will be support. You know, sometimes family support is not there, but there are usually community resources that can help. And I think if we address those issues, we will go a long way in stemming what we know to exist related to health disparities. Okay. And also, I know you've been um, a scholar in the field of perinatal care for uh, the past 15 years. Is there anything you're noticing in terms of the attitudes towards the study of perinatal care and the type of trends that are being focused on? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main areas of focus right now is data. Right now, there are no national standards of data collection for minority women related to socioeconomic status, health insurance, and race. We need to understand more what is going on. And without proper data collection, we cannot hold providers accountable for outcomes. We also can't even begin to really scratch the surface on evidence-based solutions without having enough information to help inform us what is going on. One of the changes that we're seeing now is we're, you're starting to see a lot of maternal review committees in the states where I think that that will have an increase in terms of the potential to help guide practice in terms of healthcare. But okay. again, we need to have some system in place where we're collecting data, understanding what's going on in that perinatal period and postpartum period and address those needs. But again, we need to know what's going on. Okay, so with this Maternal Review Board, what exactly is it comprised of and what is their mandate? Mm -hmm. It is comprised of experts in the field, all providers, um, physicians, nurses. And does each hospital have one? No, this is hopefully developed by the state. As of 2010, I believe it was 23 states were approved with maternal mortality committees. D.C. is in the process of establishing theirs because they have the highest maternal mortality rate currently in the nation. And the states will develop and identify these key experts in the field to help review maternal mortality incidents in ways that will help provide more information on how to resolve this problem. All right. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about big data. You said finding data was a problem, especially when it comes to African-American or Black women. So what are some methods that um, some researchers are using in terms to get this data? Mm-hmm. Well, I was saying earlier, there's no national standards for data collection. Okay. And at first, we need to start with some baseline information. But what we do know right now is coming from information from these mortality review committees. Hopefully, what they'll be doing is informing us more by taking a look at these incidents as they occur and hopefully getting to the bottom of what is causing death. One area of focus specifically is looking at death certificates, making sure they're listed correctly and the proper reasons for death is listed, whether it's hemorrhage, whether it's infection, whether it's related to cardiovascular issues, whether it's related to hypertension. And also there are a lot of other areas that are doing a lot of research and, and work in the area of maternal mortality. But I think, again, we're just scratching the surface and there's a lot more that we need to do, particularly related to minority women, because I think research related to minority women and just minorities in general, we're not doing a good job. We are not, the researchers are not getting into these communities, collecting okay. data, establishing relationships in order to 
actually provide us with meaningful information to help inform us on how better to engage with minority women and so that we can hopefully reduce this health crisis going on. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of state government institutions and uh, organizations, but are there any at the national level, are there any um, organizations that focus on perinatal care for Black women in particular? I can tell you about a few. For Kira for Moms campaign is one oh, that's I getting. Think I saw that on Facebook. <laughs> getting when a I was lot of, looking you up. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What is this?" Go ahead. Getting a <laughs> lot of attention. I hope your listeners can look it up. But basically, it, it comes from an incident of a man who lost his wife um, in a maternal mortality situation. Yes, it was Judge Hatchett's uh, daughter-in-law, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that helped raise attention mm. uh, to this issue and hopefully put a face to uh, maternal losses. The Black Mamas Matter Alliance mm-hmm. is also another one that listeners can look up. But we also have other organizations such as uh, MIND, the National Association of Perinatal Social Workers, National Perinatal Association. These are broad national organizations that come up with policy statements and hopefully guide um, health care practices okay. and support services, as well as the National Association of Social Workers. Okay. So are there any other groups that are specifically going to the national level to Capitol Hill to talk about these issues? And have you been a part of them? I actually am not a part of uh, those type of larger organizations, mm-hmm. but the smaller ones. The National Association of Social Workers does a lot of policy and advocacy with all healthcare um, related matters, there are also larger organizations like the American Association of Pediatrics, ACOG, is also doing a lot of work, a lot of nursing and physician related organizations, as well as social work agencies um, and smaller grassroots organizations that are really starting to um, increase public awareness about maternal deaths. And so I want to get back to uh, your students, because, of course, you state that you do teach social work, but you focus, uh, you have a two week focus on perinatal care. (laughs) So what are you noticing in terms of their thoughts, their attitudes towards the topic? And do you think that they have an advantage over your colleagues when it comes to pursuing any type of initiatives in the field? Yes. I find that the students, particularly at Howard University, mm-hmm. have a strong focus on social justice and equitable treatment for all. Right. And yes, I do think that gives them an edge. And I think that we're training them, hopefully, to be the future leaders in, in healthcare and medicine so that what we can do is we can educate providers, improve those relationships between families address disparities, discrimination, oppression, marginalization, all those things. And so, yes, I do tend to focus about two weeks in my course on healthcare, um, specifically related to maternal health and outcomes, in hopes that we can train properly in a cultural way the next leaders in perinatal medicine. Okay, so I'm particularly curious, what type of activities do you have your students do? (laughs) So, plenty. Um, We watch a lot of webinars. I have them write specifically on issues that are of importance to them, but specifically focus on not just understanding the health issues that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. such as infection, but also understanding that family dynamic, understanding the environment, understanding how to engage patients, how Mm -hmm. to make sure we get their voice heard, how to advocate for them 
how to make sure that we not only look at the health system, but also look at the community and the environment so that we're we're providing and addressing the biopsychosocial needs. They oftentimes have to write papers on this. They do a lot of reading on this. They have to do presentations and videos demonstrating competencies and making sure that they understand how to best support all populations, but specifically African-American women. Okay. And um, do they participate in any type of uh, particular focus groups? Mm -hmm. And we have class-based assignments that they have to um, get in groups and discuss issues related to healthcare, particularly maternal child health. But we also expect them to synthesize what they're learning in the field. Many of our students are in field placements um, across D.C. and in Maryland, healthcare settings, community service agencies. And one of the things that they're expected to do is provide services and support to these agencies, but also integrate what they're learning in the classroom to those agencies and bringing what they're learning into the agencies in the classroom where us, where we can guide them, provide them with additional information and enrich their learning. Okay, that's great. And I'm glad that we delved into uh, what particularly uh, the students would learn um, in this course so that the viewers can understand that perinatal care touches a broad spectrum of organizations and also requires multidisciplinary knowledge as well. Thank you for saying that. I did not add that. Yes. And one of the areas of focus is showing them how to work interdisciplinary with other providers. These are nurses, physicians, and so forth. Thank you. Okay. And um, next, I want to get into just a couple of strategies that we can give the listener. Let's say you're going into the hospital you know, you're about to give birth, you don't know where to start, you may have missed a couple of prenatal appointments. What do I have the right to say no to in the hospital? As a patient, your rights are to be respected, all of your rights. You guide and direct the care that you are receiving. Oftentimes, patients are intimidated and they're a power dynamic when they go into the healthcare Mm -hmm. institutions. Okay, so what are a couple of things that I can challenge the doctor on? Or do I not have to feel obligated to follow if I'm prescribed? The first area I would say challenge a doctor is in listening. If you feel that your needs are not being met, you can ask to speak to other doctors, get a second opinion. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be respected in a healthcare institution. So you actually run and guide that care. Your input is necessary. And so everything that happens in that hospital should be patient directed. Okay, awesome. So as we wrap up, I just want to ask you, what are some key takeaways that you want to leave on the listeners? Because we've touched a variety of topics as it comes to perinatal care. Mm -hmm. The first area is awareness. And I hope if the listeners don't receive anything else, that they really understand that we are in a health crisis with Black women related to maternal outcomes. So understand that we are a high-risk group and we need to seek uh, medical attention as soon as possible and get regular checkups throughout the course of pregnancy. So seek care early and regularly. Obtain support and assistance from family and resources. Mm. Request referrals from providers if you need additional resources and support. And also know that you are never alone, that you can always ask to speak to not just the providers and the nurses, but also to social workers who are here to help and support you and make sure, one, your voice is heard during the entire course of care 
And we're also here to make sure you have all access to resources, including healthcare services and support. Okay, I like that. So we started with awareness, just being aware that you do have the rights. Second is seeking a support system. I don't think you've reiterated it enough in this session how important it is um, to find that uh, support. And then thirdly is just knowing, you know, that you are not alone and that there are resources that you can reach out to. Yes. So I know that you are active in the circuit in terms of research and going to conferences. How can the viewers uh, follow up with you? Yes, you can find me on Facebook, Dr. Janine Cross. Anytime any of you listeners are in the D.C. area, please, you can come visit me at Howard University School H-U-U of Social Work. Proud alum here. <laughs> School of Social Work or uh, my private practice website, amazefamilytherapy.com. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Denine Cross, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about perinatal care. Not only tell us about the scholarly work that's going on in the field, but also give us strategies um, to use when we go to the hospital. And those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, this is Erica Fletcher. Stay tuned next week. Our other co-host, Angie, will be back. And you've just listened to The Well Radio. The Well Radio is brought to you by Health Plan USA, a new way to take charge of your healthcare costs. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and listen to our podcast at The Well Radio. Until next time, stay happy, stay whole, and stay well.